0: Namaste. Today's prayer—it's a very short prayer. People often say there is a phrase in Hindi, "Gagar mein sagar to put an ocean in a little uh, little pot. And if you ask me, I have there are number of examples of this. Number of mystics have done it. But I have not seen anybody more. You know, Shyrbindu's is unparalleled. Very often people speak of Shyrbindu and the mother as especially long sentences. First time speaking of Shyrbindu, he has used long sentences. Shyrbindu sum up sometimes half a sentence, even one word in Savitri. Several times we have seen how one word changes the whole sense and gives it a very different meaning. Life, divine. There is a small sentence, and yet there is a beyond. Just remember this, it's like everything is there. Then there is another one, I mean a whole yoga of Buddhist yoga is revealed in that, yet there is a beyond and it goes beyond that. Where do you stop? Then there is another one where it says all problems of existence are problems of harmony. And with mother, it is amazing. Such small poems are like Mahasutras. For example, one of the prayer uh, she writes that, a few minutes spent in silence before thee are worth centuries of felicity. It's not days of felicity, hours of felicity. Few moments spent in silence before thee. Can we imagine what it means? And then there is another one, which is one of our favorites, one of the very small ones. "O Lord, teach me to be the instrument of thy love." That's it. Sounds so simple. But to become an instrument of the divine love is, I mean, is unimaginable. Because what really is divine love? We have a problem that we are limited by experience and words which come within the human range. Very often people say, learning by experience. But what experience? When our consciousness is limited, the experience is also limited. Our eyes are limited, our hearing is limited, our understanding is limited. That is why in one of the prayers he says, widen my understanding. Because unless the the consciousness that is experiencing doesn't free itself from its narrow limits, our entire understanding of life will be limited. So very often people say that, you know, it is a lesson that I am learning from life. But what is that lesson? Based on what? Because if I am limited, my learning will also be limited. We have such preconceived ideas, notions and based on that we project. So first thing is to free our consciousness, to liberate from the limited uh, circle, magic fence of nature. Then we understand the true experience. Otherwise we have very limited experience. So when we talk about uh, you know, the divine being all loving, we have an idea of human love because that's what we know. So human love is, we know what it is, not worth much speaking about. (laughs) That says it all. (laughs) So, But nevertheless, there is a beauty in it, but it is uh, uh, sullied by many things because human vessel is so limited. Love in its origin is something very profound. It is, Mother says that if consciousness is the builder of the worlds, then love is its saviour. One can imagine what love is. Love is the saviour of creation. And we know what its origin is, that when all the forces that went into creation plunged into darkness, there was a cry. And that power which came out of the Divine Mother's heart, core, that plunged into creation and love was born. So, often when people say that, you know, why all this uh, Tamasha, chamela, and, you know, complications, suffering, pain… Of course, there are many kinds of logic to it, but I have very simple understanding of this event. Yes, there are many reasons one can understand it, but if this would not have happened, one thing which we would have missed out, which is the most fundamental power in creation, the most delightful, most charming, the sweetest of them all, and that is love. When does love pour itself? Only when there is such a situation. If everything was beautiful, all hunky-dory from beginning till end, there would not be love. People will not even feel the necessity. That's why, you know, a life which is perfect within its range is a punishment. People feel that it's very good, but it's a punishment because then there is no progress. Then we are like the gods in typal worlds. So we are stuck there. That's why the gods cannot understand the, you know, the, the pita of man. But the divine understands and then he plunges the great sacrifice as it is called of the divine in matter is an act of love. So if we look at love in its origin, you, we, by human love we often feel love between two human beings, silliest of all. Then we feel, I mean it can be a starting point but this love if it remains confined to two human beings then it cuts us from the universal current of love. Two human beings who just are very happy, loving each other, forgetting the rest of the creation are like, you know, it's going down. It's like an egoistic love. Instead of one person's ego, two person's ego has united. But if two human beings can come together, so often I use this example that they can be facing each other and happy in each other's embrace or they can be facing the universe in which case they are open. And that's what we see in Savitri, when Savitri speaks about that her love for Satyavan. She says, I need him for the work that you have to do. Meaning thereby, love has to, it can start from anywhere. That's okay, that's a seed. But it must complete its full journey. If it does not, then its seed is frustrated. That's why all individual love stories of two people... It's only forever, happy year after, only in some novels or cinema. It is not possible, it is not granted and it's a boon that it is not granted. Because then people will stop growing. What kind of people would be who are two people are happy with each other and they, they have forgotten everything else? What about the great purpose? What about the work, the mission? So many aspects of love. So, one of the ways that nature has created to extend is through a child. So that's why Sri says uh, three steps of Vishnu. If you see these three steps, these three steps are steps of unity of which love is the bond. So first step is family. Three strides of Vishnu. The second step is the country. You can't abolish that. It's the stride of Vishnu. And Third step is the entire humanity and you know you are liberated from these two but they have their own place and you enter into the Uh, Entire creation from there. These are the three strides after which you are entering into the cosmic vastness and beyond. But these steps also undergo a change. For instance, what is family? Initially, we think it's family by birth. But then there is a family which is a family where where we share common thoughts and feelings. Then, family which is of uh, family with a common aspiration. The Guru Bandhus, that's a family. So, the sense of family also enlarges. Similarly, the sense of nationality enlarges. Is the nation only a geographical entity or is it a psychological entity? Is this a spiritual truth? So, that is how the sense enlarges. And so, also humanity. Is humanity simply a uh, body and mind? Or is it a means for the divine to take the step towards the next future? So, the value of humanity is only to an extent that it can become a catalyst for the next leap. So, all of these great terms, knowledge, another, you know, word which we use. So, knowledge at a a human level, knowledge is observation, sense data, inference, read from a book, uh, information, all this is knowledge. But from the deeper angle, how does the divine know which book will he read? Shall we tell the divine that, have you read the Vedas? What will he say? How did you create the word world? Did you read the Vedas before that? He will say, no, what I created became a Veda. What I spoke became a Veda. My word becomes the Veda. They have come out of my mouth as the first star of creation. So then we understand that knowledge at the deeper level is a knowledge by identity. You can only know something by becoming that. So what is the power that can make us really become one with something else? It is again love. You know at one place in Savitri when death says that uh, Savitri you have too much of love inside your heart and I don't like it. This fiery spirit who comes to create a change. So he gives her a advice and the advice is that all love is all these emotion. So you know when you have the knowledge then you will cease to love. And Savitri gives a completely opposite view. She says, when I have loved all, then I shall know, for knowledge is a vast embrace. So, knowledge has nothing to do with a kind of, you know, uh, the way we conceive. Well, we are limited by our experience, but if we go to the higher realms, you discover that knowledge comes most swiftly through love. Why? Because you unite. The moment you unite, you know. How do mothers know about their child? Through this process, simply because they are extending into the child so they know it. So that's how when we look at love, it is the power that labours ceaselessly to pull everything out of darkness. And it can take many forms. When mother was asked about uh, one of her famous well-known statements, where she says, who is our best, best friend? And she says, our best friend is he who loves us in the best part. And then she gives an example. She says, uh, you should always be friendly with people who are wiser than you. And she gives an example. When she would play tennis, she would play tennis with those who are better. She says, you will never win the game, but you will grow. So when you are with wiser people, you may not be able to assert your ego, but you will learn a lot and you will grow. Of course, it depends on whether one wants to learn or not. Similarly, who is the best friend? He will never ask us to degrade ourselves into something which is dark, something which is… He'll always uplift us. Whatever be our state, he is somebody who can lift us out of a state of depression, lack of hope, when we are completely down the dumps. That is the time we know that love is operating because, you know, you are helping the person to come out of that state. But this is one expression of love. But the deepest expression is when it plunges, identifies, and lifts the person out. That is how mother's love is. And when Shurbindo was asked that, you know, how does mother work with the sadhaks? Even in the mother, he has given ex- an example passingly. So sometimes Shurbindo's sentences, you have to pause and see, oh my God, what is writing. One of them is, sees half above and half she has veiled herself. So you cannot understand the mother's action. So why she has to veil herself? Precisely because she completely identifies with her children. Becomes them. And she says, when you plunge into the abyss, I don't stand there and watch. I cove down with you. And that is how she works. She identifies with the children, with those. This is not a guru. We'll never do that. Guru will tell you, he'll give a teaching and say from above... See, all the gurus sitting on pedestal with all the full malas, giving nice jnanas and all the disciples coming in. But mother would come down and be with us, one with us. She came down from her room. Sometimes she would stand on the staircase. Then she started sitting down. Then she started going to the tennis ground here, yeah, there, everywhere. She was going to people's homes. This is a symbolic gesture. And... What she was doing in all this process, she was identifying with everyone. Even at night, she was going to everybody's room to identify with what's going on inside. And in the bargain, she would take upon herself tremendous things. A lot of karmic load, even her bodily, she fell ill. We know that, you know, before 1926. And then finally, she took the role of the mother, fully that this is what I have to do. So her way of operating is not the way we understand that mother has said, now I must follow. Yes, we must follow because that is part of obedience. But that's not how she operates. She loves unconditionally. She never turns away. Once she accepts, then she identifies. And after that it's over. She will not leave till one arrives at that state. So that kind of love, that is true love. And this love is not just for human beings. This is another mistake that we think, okay, not between two people, but we must love humanity, love humanity. We keep hearing from everyone as if there is nothing else appearing in creation. Love humanity means humanity may be very asuric. You can't love humanity for the sake of humanity. The value of humanity is for the sake of the divine within it which is going to emerge. That's why human, humanity has a value. little greater than anything else in creation. But this love should extend into every being, every creature. Not just animals, also plants and even objects. She gives example of, you know, when she is handling familiar objects, there is a prayer. She says, they have served me. How can I just, you know… Uh, and now they are going to pass into others' hands. So she prays to the divine that the hands into which they pass, may they be gentle and kind towards them. And there are such examples in mother's life. One of them I remember is when she was using patched handkerchief. So someone once asked the mother, that mother, some new ones have come and why are you still using it? She would keep the new ones in her stock. What she would do? She would distribute it. Many people, many things she has distributed. But these ones, and this distribution was not based on any consideration. There are people whom she would just give away, her gold pro someone has given with, you know, a diamond in it. It was based on something totally different. But regarding this handkerchief, when somebody said that, Mother, why don't you change it? She took it in her hands, looked at it very gently, tenderly and said, you know, but this has served me for so long. This is the way love is. And this towards a handkerchief which we don't even consider as conscious. And then at another place she marvels at objects. And then when she looks at the beautiful objects, see, that's how we appreciate thing of beauty. When she looks at these objects, she says that what divine love has gone into it to pull it out of the inconscient and create this shape now just appreciate things like that look at a pebble now what is a pebble formed of outwardly we know but originally what is it dust that's it Now, divine love operating in nature to create forces at play and eventually you have some very beautiful either, you know, conch shells or pebbles or things like that. How much love! And that's why when… Human beings can also become instruments of that. When you pick up a diamond which is, you know, and shape it, make it beautiful, why not? Because there is so much love which has gone into it. When you carve an ornament, when you, you know, make a temple wall with such decoration, it is divine love which is creating beauty and ananda. It is about beauty and ananda which are the two sides of divine love. So divine love is something which is everywhere in creation and its original power is to unite and lift everything upward. So what did the divine love do in the inconscient? Everything was chaotic. First thing is created was by the power of love to bring certain things together and create one small unit because then you can act. So that is the atom. So, the first expression of divine love is formation of atom. Go down, it's a quantum world and we all know how chaotic it can become as you go down and down. So, first act of divine love atom, then molecules. And these molecules respond to our thoughts, our feelings of love. Even recently, cymatics, some people may have heard about it and how the science of music and how sounds have an effect upon water, upon crystals, upon everything. Because there is that element of divine love in it. And that's how the entire evolutionary journey from the inconscient is progressively, that's why it is called labor of love. Have you ever heard the phrase labor of knowledge? Knowledge is seated there and says, look here. But love says, I am not content with looking, I am going down. (laughs) What are you going to do? I, I am going to rescue it. So right from the inconscient, it rescues matter itself is a sign of divine love. Stones, there is love in stones. They can literally respond if you know how to. That's how this ancient science was known. That's why people could charm an object. Objects can respond to ill will and goodwill. I have seen some stones which were just shaped like a heart. Someone had collected from different places. Shaped like a heart. It's amazing. Then, similarly, If you, people may not understand, but you keep a stone with you for a long time. Now, it contains something, it has received your touch and impact, then it is passed on. Now, it's not a stone which is being passed, but it is an act of love which is being passed. But of course, one must value and understand what it means. So, everything that has been touched by the divine, that divine love, including sheets of paper, It's a different story that how we have, you know, how much we value. And uh, I remember once finding a… passing in somebody's house and I saw a heap, heap of waste, kabadi. So I crossed and I stopped. So I came back. Something was drawing me. Something is missing. Something is there in this heap. So I saw a little bit mother's signature shining somewhere. I took it out. Then I saw another, then I saw another, then I saw another, 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 another. <laughs> she used to give, no? Table tennis tournament, tennis tournament. So she would sign and give to so and so. They were in the heap, they were going to. But look at the, the thing, what I want to share is, it is conscious. So it drew me. I have seen such examples, such amazing, ones, going on full speed in Bangalore. I am sharing this example, I am sure many people have these experiences. So, going on full speed scooter on a road in Bangalore, a busy road, highway. So, highway means not the main highway, but one of those which will be very busy. Link broadways or whatever. And suddenly in that high speed, I see a paper from a distance and I just stop because something impels me to stop. And I pick up that. It's a card. And in that card, in Shurabindu's handwriting, it is written, Om Tatsat Jyotir Arvindai. What was it on the card which drew? That is love. So, love is not just two people coming together and saying, you know, how wonderful life is. No, that's egoism. That is love. That, you know, it It has that consciousness within it. And it was not original. It was obviously printed and then… <laughs> but <laughs> look at the beauty. You may print it ten thousand times, yet it contains that consciousness. Something of that consciousness. And you have another place, one example. Then we read this prayer because it's so wonderful. How this divine love can operate without our knowledge? Shirobindo's autobiographical poem, Seer Deep-Hearted. Everybody talks of many other poems, but they miss out on this. Seer Deep-Hearted, where he speaks about vast in thy heart was a tide washing the coast of heaven. Occult fountain of love, that's how he describes. So Shirobindo, we know that he was in Alipur jail and you know there were people with him during the evolutionary period. They regarded him as a yogi, and they felt lot of sweetness of him he was sacrificing always all this we know so once mother asked the Monada to bring the names of those who were with him so he, he said mother there is nothing like that that they were with him but we have names of revolutionaries in general who were operating during that period so yes give me the list so she would point out this person this person she ended up herself pointing out. She said, you don't tell me. And she pointed out all the people who were with him. Two of them who also went to the gallows. So, yes, mother, how did you know? He said, still now, one can see around their names, Shurabindu's blue light carrying a protection around them. Even those who have gone through the gallows, can you imagine what that protection would be? Through the occult worlds coming back, Destiny changed and Sri never told them that I am going to do this for you. This is love. And she says, she gave this example, that these names, so many times this sheet would have been printed. And yet, she had the vision to see the power of Sri surrounding it. Of course, if we don't have the vision, then we are anyways blind people. So that is divine love. Divine love is not uh, the way we understand. So, even when they have gone to the gallows because something of destiny, whatever it be. Mother gives a similar example in the First World War. She attends to the frontline soldiers. And she says that when I looked into their eyes, they were so much… Some of them were, you know, had suffered so much because of the, you know, war is war. She says, but when I looked into their eyes, I saw that because of this sacrifice, they have become ready for the new creation. They had taken a leap. So literally she was going there not just to tend to the soldiers, but to open them to the new light which she had brought with her. This is the action of divine love. So that's how divine love operates and many, many more ways than we can even imagine. I mean, human tongue cannot utter it. But it's everywhere and we have this small prayer which gives us only a hint but enough to open endless doors. Prayer dated August 16th, 1913. And when we read this and understand divine love like this, we almost feel ashamed of using the expression that I love you. It is so silly. We don't even know what is love. Love. We have the right to say this only when we understand this or live this. So what is here when... First we must know that this I and you are nothing but masks. That's how in human beings it operates. It is the divine loving divine in the other person passing through this channel and instrument. And if the instrument and channel can be perfect, yes. But one should never forget that it is the divine who is loving. It's not me as a little ego individuality, Mr. So and So and Miss So and So. So look at the power of this, August 16th, Oh, love, divine love. She is qualifying divine love, but in the beginning it is understood that there is only one love, which is divine love, so oh, love. But because we will understand in our own way, so now she is qualifying as divine love. Divine love is the only love. All others are either its expressions, distortions, diminutions, perversions or its perfect expressions, as perfect as can be. Thou fillest my being and overflowest to every side. She is so filled with it. So if you read through the Tapasya of Love, it's very beautiful. See how she speaks of tapasya of love. Tapasya of love is don't expect anything from anyone, don't want anything, ask anything from anyone. For all your needs, turn to the divine. You will get more than what you can ever imagine that you need. Shubindu is one of the letters, he says that to those who ask from the divine, the divine gives them what they ask. But those who give themselves to the divine, the divine gives them himself and all that they would have ever needed. <laughs> so, in the tapasya of love it is, turn only to the divine to ask whatever your need may be. Never ever ask a human being, whether it be for um, you know, little affection or for money, for this object, never. But what we should do with human beings? Give love, radiate love. This is our right. And why? Because we are receiving so much. So she is describing how it is abundantly flowing around her. It is entering her and it is flowing. Later on of course, Shubindu says the vessel must enlarge, becomes plastic, supple. But this is a stage when it is flowing on every side. I am thyself. And thou art I. She is addressing the divine as love. She has become so completely one with this love. And I see thee in every being, in every thing. So not only in beings, beings in all the worlds, not just human being, we, for us being means human being. Being in every being and in every thing. She reminds me of that line in Who, No. In the pattern and bloom of the flower he is woven. In the luminous net of the stars he is caught. He is lost in the heart, in the cavern of nature. That's where he dwells, but he is lost there, because we have lost the connect. So where he appears himself like a magician, he is found in the brain where he builds up the thought. <laughs> He's seated here, but... It's so difficult for man. So he says, okay, I'll build a ladder. You want to take the long way. He is found in the brain where he builds up the thought. The master of man, how Shabindu describes the master of man and his infinite lover. He is close to our hearts. Had we vision to see. So why don't we see him? People often say, oh, I don't see him. It's not like casually one day we'll wake up and say, I want to see him. Why don't we see him? We are lost in the pride and the pomp of our passions. We are bound in our thoughts where we hold ourselves free. Oh no, no, I'll analyze and discover. He says, okay now, you want to take a long way, but I was very close to you. After all this roaming around at the end, he says, yes, there is probably something like divine love by pure analysis. And yet not know it. So this is why we miss out. And where he is found? When darkness was dense and covered with darkness, he is not only up above, it is he in the sun who is ageless and deathless and into the midnight his shadow is thrown. Even there he hides. When darkness was dense and covered with darkness, he was seated within it immense and alone. So everywhere you can find. So she identifies with this. From the slightest passing breeze to the radiant sun that illumines us, and is thy symbol. So every morning look at the sun. How it loves. Look at the flowers. How they love. That's why one of the treatment of depression is this. Look at the sun. Does it ever ask any money? And I find it so strange. Whatever be the justification. Courses for money. I have never understood this. And worst is when it's all done. Indian culture. In Indian culture can knowledge be ever priced? It should be offered if you feel like. That's all. it was. Guru Dakshina. You don't ask a price for knowledge. Either you should have that confidence that, you know, whatever is going, and it's the divine who is giving. So, look at this, that the gentle breeze, does the breeze ask, okay, who are you? You are a rich man, okay, I'll come to your door. Oh, you are a peasant. It goes and gently, you know. There is a description in Ruru and Pramadwara, no? That Ruru is burning with anguish. Because he has lost Pramadvara and Priambada, and he is burning with that fire of grief which has turned into a yagna to discover his beloved. And at that point of time he is in that anguish burning and the gods, they are feeling the heat. So they are troubled and they say, please do something about him. So the gods come down and as if feigning, like Pramadvara, they gently... Like a breeze pass over his forehead. For a moment in his sleep, he feels, Oh, my beloved has come. Look at that expression. But when he sees, no, it is not my beloved. It is the gods who have played, you know, the tree under which he was sleeping. He looks at the tree. How dare you feign to be my beloved? And the tree is burnt off. off. (laughs) Because he is carrying that fire in his heart. See how he descends into hell. This is maximum that human love... It's, it's possible. From the slightest passing breeze to the radiant sun that illumines us and is thy symbol. So this is how we start discovering and experiencing Vasudevam Sarvamiti. It's not that suddenly one day it will flash like that. It will one day, but this is how. When every little thing, we feel the caress of the Divine Mother. Oh, how nice it was. We say, oh, season an ho gaya. <laughs> You look at the sun, that giver of light. In the morning we have such pictures, no? One of the things that I enjoy, like, you know, because it's… what is it? It's a symbol of the divine love. It's radiating, pouring. It doesn't care whether you… how you look at it. You may look at it just as an object. It doesn't mind. It pours, pierces through darkness and comes down. So, it's a symbol of that divine creatrix. But not just the creatrix in the passive aspect, but creatrix who leans down upon earth… And lived. that's why we see in Savitri that all the transition images from darkness to light in the beginning. O thou whom I cannot understand, in this silence of the purest devotion I adore thee. So this is what is given to us, to adore the divine everywhere in everything. Even at one place in the desert, you see, the mother discovers divine love. And that's why, you know, she has... Uh, she speaks of the Chaldean legend. So she says that why deserts are created. Now we can never look at it like that. She says in these vast stretches of sand, what, is, what you find is solitude. So in that solitude it's so easy to contemplate you, that's why you have created it. <laughs> to this effect. That, that's why people withdraw there. Why? Because now if you look at it like that, Deserts, mountains where people go into solitude. Nature made a spot. Why did it make a, made a spot? Because it loves that, okay, too much human contact, so come here and stay in the silence with me for a while. In that silence, I will reveal myself to you. So this is the beautiful poem. I'll just read it once again. August 16th, 1913. Oh, love, divine love, Thou fillest my being and overflowest to every side. I am thyself and thou art I. And I see thee in every being, in everything, from the slightest passing breeze to the radiant sun that illumines us and is thy symbol. O thou whom I cannot understand, In the silence of the purest devotion, I adore Thee. Whole creation is nothing else but love. Namaste.